It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the pod. And first up, I want to thank you all for tuning in and getting down with Huey off the record. The numbers have been insane. There are so many of you tuning in from around the world, uh, leaving really nice reviews. So thank you and setting us up the charts. We hit the top 40 in the iTunes charts last week and number one on the iTunes music charts. So once again, thank you very much. Keep listening. Keep subscribing. Keep telling your friends, spreading the word and leaving the positive reviews. It's the Brooklyn way. We really appreciate it here at Team Huey, and we couldn't do it without you, so thank you very kindly. Now, I hope whoever you are and wherever you are right now that this episode brings a little light relief to your day because I know we could use that right about now. I don't really want to get into that kind of stuff because I think you're bombarded by it like I am, and we're here to do something else. So for those of you who know, and some of you because you've been requesting this on Twitter, King, my G from way back. He's one of my best friends in the world. He's my bandmate in the Tangers Blues Band, along with my guy Danny Clinch, uh, who's coming up on the pod very soon. You should definitely check them out. King is the guy with all the stories, all the jokes. We literally go everywhere on this one, from Tales of Studio 54, the building nightclub, Bungalow 8, to which rock stars don't wear deodorant. <laughs> but really should. Look out for text dropping in, fast text in the middle of the conversation with something funny. And uh, King thinks our UK betting establishments are called something completely different. And right at the end, my little boy Bo uh, lets us hear uh, it's time to wrap it up by crashing the party. Oh, <laughs> speaking of which, and bringing us right back to reality. It's not, we're not doing videos. The fucking hat's no point with the hat. It's cool though. You got that Pablo Picasso Breton shirt going on. Yeah, I'm comfortable. <laughs> I hear you. I'm, I'm comfortable too, man. I put my hat on. I put my hat on hours ago. I know you did. I know. So what's yeah. happening, man? I woke up. I had my yogurt and my banana, and then I put my hat on. Yo, what's up with the Knicks, man? Why do they suck so bad? Well, they're done with playing for this season, so they're finished sucking for like this minute. I know, but just like I was talking to some dude. A cab driver all cab drivers in London want like they're like all sport dudes or whatever so right well you got you got the lady blokes the who the lady blokes the place where people go to bed oh lab brokes yeah man lady brokes oh, the lady, bro- yeah, lady well. blokes it ain't the lady blokes I don't know man I mean I got a thing about gambling right I, I never really gambled I never gambled really trust you sir I never did cause I figured I worked really fucking hard to get what I got and I'm not gonna 
like piss it away for the chance of getting more and the chances are so fucking horrible that you know you just literally piss in the, the what you got away oh it's how it's how I don't gamble I mean I used to gamble when I was a kid I flipped cards and all those other fucking things you do as a kid yeah you know but yeah I once went to Vegas with Uncle Mike Gary and I played penny slots just to waste fucking time and I won ten dollars in the penny slots that's good and I run into a guy that Uncle Mike and I know. You know him to Bobby Blaze, the DJ? Oh, yeah, I know Bobby Blaze. <laughs> and Bobby Blaze is like walking around Vegas miserably. He's like, oh, man, I'm down like seven. Oh, I'm having a terrible time, King. And I go, oh, really, dude? That's a shame. I'm up 10. He goes, you're up 10? I'm up 10. I go, you know, I have a system. He goes, you got a system? What are you playing? I go, penny slots. He goes, and so I just walk away from him because he froze. Now, I didn't know that gamblers, when you say you're up 10, they mean like you're up 10 Gs. Yeah, 10 large, man, yeah. Yeah, I was up $10. Yeah, but he was da- he was down seven grand, right? Yeah. And then I and then, so plays, I tell Uncle man. Mike this story. Uncle Mike knows gambler talk, and he's like, no, he thinks you're down. Anyway, Mike runs into the guy like two hours later somewhere separately, and the guy's like, oh, my God, Mike, you know, it's good to see you. I'm down so much. He goes, oh, did you hear about King? He's up 10. <laughs> Fuck with him, right? Well, dude, I mean, I see, especially like in, in this, in the town out here where, I'm, where I got a place, it's, they got one there, right? And the motherfuckers that are up in there, obviously, obviously are hoping for some good shit to happen to them, right? But it's the same, it's the same kind of thing with, 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 with bums, man. Like you see bums on the street and I don't, I don't know how politi- politically correct you're going to call bums, but bums on the street, they, they ain't got really shit going on, right? And especially in New York, right? And I always figured if I was ever, like, bummed, I'd get mines, you know? But that's not being a bum. See, like, I have a friend, Mike, who is a bum. Not Uncle Mike. Mike the bum. Mike the bum. And the guy who, from back in the day, Mike the bum? Yeah. He, 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 but he's yeah. making a couple hundred a day. That's a different kind of he, bum. But so like, if you call him homeless, he gets mad. Yeah, he ain't homeless. He's got a nice crib. He's a bum, he's but a bum. professional bum. Professional bum and likes to, you know, and likes the hustle and all that sort of stuff. I mean, he doesn't have a nice home to get. Don't get me wrong; he lives in an SRO. Yeah, but you know, and I'm writing a musical about him and this whole idea of what you know being a bum is all about. Because I'm getting there. I'm getting close to that myself. <laughs> well, I mean, I look at it this way, man. Mike the bum. Back in the day, he used to. Look, let's give us some backstory on Mike the bum, right? Mike the bum used to hang out at nightclub in front of nightclubs, and you used to be a doorman at all the hot nightclubs in New York. So you knew this motherfucker for years. Well, the, the original story was that I used to actually be the doorman slash bouncer and only one at the Bowery Bar, which was like super hot, but they wouldn't hire other security. So I used to wear painter's pants with a, with a hammer loop on, and I put a hammer in the hammer loop. Yeah. So people just wouldn't fuck with me. Yeah, because you got a hammer. The Hells, Hells, Hell's Angels used to do that, man. So one day, like five guys or like three or whatever it is, a bunch more guys than me are, are fucking with me and the other guy. The other guy goes inside. So I have to go down the street, and now I'm like, how am I going to take on like four or five guys? I don't even know how many there are. So I take out the hammer, hoping three or four of them would run away, and I'm only fighting one guy. Well, I take out the hammer... And apparently behind me, one of the, one of their guys was coming at me, but he stopped because Mike the Bum pulled out a knife. Mike the Bum. And the guy ran away. And later on, somebody else told me a story. Then I called Mike over and I said, hey, I hear you. And he said, yeah, you know, I wasn't going to let them fucking gang up on you. I said, well, that's very nice. I said, you now have permission to 
beg in front of whatever club. <laughs> granting fucking permission, man. Yeah, granted. Well, as it turned out, it was, you know, a big bankroll for him. But he was already, like, he knew people already. He, like, Russell Simmons would always give him new Adidas. Yeah. And, like, people would take him in to eat at, like, Cipriani's and Bowery Bar and stuff like that. And he was like, but the thing is, he, like, a lot of dudes that are homeless, and this is true for New York, I, I don't really know too much about many other places, but they they got mental issues, right? And they can't really converse. Mike, he had Gift of the Gap, still does. So the, he writes raps, he yeah. knows all the rappers, he's been in the studio with Tupac and the yeah. Wu-Tang and all sorts of shit like that. That's tough. He metal guys. I think he used to be a sound guy. Because he knew Ron Delsner and apparently he used to date her daughter at some point in time. He talked once about playing some baseball. I don't know whether he meant minor league or just college or high school ball. But he's got like he's got forearms like Popeye. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he's, he's not a weak looking guy. I mean, he was. He, I remember he popped off at somebody sometime, and I was like, oh shit. I mean, he showed me the forearms once, and I, I, mean, I, I saw no track marks. I've never seen him drink or stuff, but he's got to be doing something. Well, yeah, I mean, that's it. Also, it could be something. Maybe he does have like some some bad shit happen to him in the past, and just shook his shit, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, I'm not one for the nine to five world, you know. So, uh, I guess you figure out a way to get through it some way or another. Yeah. So, I mean, the reason I wanted to get you on the podcast, right? Aside from being my best friend, it's also the thing that we spoke about when I was in New York last time we were trying to record the podcast and I don't even know what the fuck happened to that but it, <laughs> thank God it got destroyed somewhere and it was yeah right it wasn't it wasn't the story about uh, saying elsewhere because it started because in your house you still got that guy's picture William Devane is that it William Devane the actor no wait it's not William Devane no, it's not William Devane Wait, William Daniels William Daniels yeah you still have his picture William Devane's a different actor no William Devane's the dude over here he sells gold and silver on, online he's like you Brits are pretty smart mate and they're like oh god but you know they, the apocalypse is coming so people gotta get gold so they're buying gold off them well at least the French didn't elect their version of Trump you know what it, it, just the fact that it, it, that's how everybody's looking at the world binary like it's either you got it is it's zeros and fucking ones no, it's binary I know but, it, but yo, look at it this way man yo, the good choice is a 39 year old anybody yo someone at 39 and I remember because I was 39 once when you're 39 you're still an asshole you know what I mean no, no for real you don't have the fucking I'm not saying Trump has the temperament I'm just saying that you're, generally people are still assholes when they're 39 you know, How old are you now? I'm 48, man. And now you're not an asshole? No, I didn't say that. I just said oh. that <laughs> I'm fucking sure as shit an asshole still. But that's not the fucking point, man. I'm trying to say, like, dude, think about it, right? The guy's 39 years old. There's some weird shit going on, man, over over with France, especially over here. A lot of weird shit happened. They hacked his election, and then yeah. because of the, the French had this thing the day before the election, they have a press blackout about the election, just what they do. So they covered up this whole WikiLeaks thing that they dumped, and apparently he's into some nefarious shit. Well, I mean, well, I'm, my, I guess my, my point was uh, just about how shit is fucking getting really bugged out, man, especially with what we were talking about, man. What, people getting too offended too easy? <laughs> well, that's, I mean, I was just like, I was trying to talk about what we were talking about before last time we spoke, and yeah, you know what? I guess it comes back to, the, when we were young, we didn't have the, the luxury of being offended, like also, or the platform. If, I, if someone offended me, I could either like, say something to them, do something to them, or fuck off. 
I couldn't go online and write on Twitter that so-and-so did so-and-so. It's like, it's not something bad enough you have to call a cop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't have to call a cop and be like, yo, my fucking leg doesn't work anymore. This guy did something to it. It's just like my feelings hurt. That's, you know, I just think that the offending thing, it's like, I think it gets in the way of actual progress. That's all. My nephew's 17. He's like 6'1". I said, he's telling me he's never had a fight. I said, nobody ever, he go, I go, how have you never had a fight? He goes, well, I'm the biggest kid in the class. I go, that's why I had so many fights. Yeah. Little more crazy motherfuckers so trying to prove themselves, yeah. Yeah, test their metal. You know, eventually they figured out, test it with somebody else. Yeah, I mean, it is weird, because I, I talked to a kid who was big for his age. I was like, yo, dude, you're getting fucking fucked with at school? He's like, no. And I was like, what are you, I goes, there are fights in school? He goes, there are no fights in my school. Like, like, and that's like really far from reality where I grew up. I mean, it was like. I still think it's far from reality, though. What happens when they're 20 and somebody tells them to go fuck themselves? Well, see, yo, you know what's, what's funny? You know how to deal with it? You know, the interpersonal dispute shit is a real big talking point. I know that when, if my boy's in the park or something and some him and some other kids start, you know, going at it or pulling something apart, like someone grabs something or whatever, right? No, mine, mine. Yeah, yeah, I just kind of back off. I let them deal with it. He may look over at me, but I'm like, I look up at the sky like, dude, that's on you, man. You have to solve this because that's a skill, man. I mean, I learned that shit the hard way on, on the Lower East Side of New York City that interpersonal human dispute resolution was high on the list of things to be good at because to keep you alive longer, which is fucking Darwin, man. And now you see kids, they, they have they have teachers and fucking everybody talking there for them in like interpersonal dispute shit. And it's like, I let my kid talk and my kid can talk, you know, and he can verbalize and, you know, you see other parents, they'll be like, hey, hey, what are you doing? You know, or hey, you should be nice to that boy or don't do that. And it's like, yo, man, at a certain time, they got to know their own shit, man. Well, it's like, I, I think about it like, where are the comedians of tomorrow going to come from? Because, like, you know, everybody's going to learn how to deal with defending themselves for being fat or short or four-eyed or any of the other million of fucking things that people called you. Yeah. You, you either learn to be, like, really funny or you dedicated yourself to something else to show that, you know, like, you had something to show somebody. You're like, fuck that person. Mm-hmm. I'll show them. I'll do this. Yeah, I'll get really I'm good at playing guitar or something. Better. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know where they're getting their, you know, I mean, they just sit in front of the fucking phone and do this, you know, but I don't mean to rag on kids. I don't understand. It's a whole new generation. We're old men. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, you know, but I still think, I mean, I look at it this way, man, just because I have almost 50 years of experience on this planet, it, it's, you know, I, I think that's a good thing, you know, and I think just because someone's older than 40 or older than 50, that the, the, the pop culture that we live in doesn't value them shit. Those are the motherfuckers I want to be asking questions, you know? Well, when I was a little, when I was a little kid, I loved hanging out with, like, my uncles, my, my father's uncles, really, these old men. And I'd go to bar with them, with other old men. You know, they'd buy me Cokes and give me quarters for the pinball machine. But in between, I'd listen to what they were talking about. And it was always much more interesting to me than what the kids my own age had to say. Yeah, that's the fascinating shit. And, and the bad thing is, and I said this to somebody else recently, and they laughed at me. They thought it was funny. I was like, people think that Google's part of their brain. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they don't have to. They don't. Have, what's that? There's there's like a scientist who has this theory that like Google kind of is part of the brain. That because everything is instant and you don't have to think about it, there's no reasoning anymore. You don't you don't absorb something, take it with you, think about it, and then come up with more questions and go ask them. You pretty much just get that whole thing there from, you know, Wikipedia or whatever. 
And then you go, okay, cool, got it. And your brain goes, cool, got it. And it all moves on to the next subject. And there's no further thought. Wow. That so is, yeah. You know, like, there's no... There's no advancements going to come from that either because you know how do you build a better mousetrap? Well, first you got to fucking think about what's wrong with the first mousetrap. That's that's very true. It's also kind of along those lines where people say you don't listen to understand, you listen to reply. Right. You know what I mean? So like that whole kind of like thing where people don't want to process shit. And also what I find really like I was talking about me being a certain age when I was like twenty. If you asked me a set of questions, I'm sure they would not be the same answers as. I would give now and if they were I think I was a, a, a brain dead idiot for the last 25 years well yeah I mean you know a closed mind is an empty mind is one of my oldest most favorite expressions That's you know I'm always trying to learn and I learned that from my dad who's 87 and he's still always trying to learn and he's fascinated by learning stuff and you can learn stuff from books but you can also learn stuff from people but you gotta talk to people yeah and, and this with the three characters for a 17 letter word that ain't talking yeah, you know, you know, that's that's absolutely right. And it, you know, that's some wrestling practice. Yeah, I see like you know, I always see an ebb and flow in just societal advances and gains and stuff like that. And it just seems like with all this computer advancement technology stuff that's hitting a certain stride, it's almost it, it's leaving the actual human being in in the dust almost. Like you're kinda you can't advance as quickly, as exponentially as, you know, computer science and things like that. Your brain just isn't built like that. And society isn't built like that. And I think all these assumptions that we have to make all the time are just, you know, I think they're kind of draining, man. But I also think that whole idea where, you know, you don't actually have to evolve on a subject, you know? I mean, you can, it's kind of strange because you see a lot of younger people, especially during the the U.S. election thing, like the primaries, where it was like they loved Bernie Sanders because he was that older guy. And it was like, you know what? It's okay. I know. I know. It seems like you're getting shafted. The world's, you know, whatever. Because you haven't really had a a, a generational. You got uh, flies. What is that? That is. I think it was. I think it was a mosquito or something. <laughs> something. <laughs> I'm out here in the woods, son. I don't know what it could well, be. Well, Mr. Miyagi, you're not. Get some fucking chopsticks and catch that uh, thing. <laughs> so it's like taking a shotgun to it. But, yo, know, well, I don't know what I was talking, man. I don't know what I'm saying. Sorry. That's all right. It don't matter. It don't matter. Anyway, yeah, it's a good time to change subject anyway. We're just ragging on the kids or something, man. Yo, know, I don't have a tendency. So we, I, I kind of think we were talking about technology and society and where these things are going and what does it all mean and, you know. What did it mean when we were 20? What does it mean today? When we were 20, they didn't even have cell phones. When I was a kid, we had, yeah, you were a kid too. Yeah. You had how many television channels? You had five television channels and they went off the air at a certain point in time. Yeah, yeah. And, and after a certain age, you had seen every show they had to offer. <laughs> I saw shows I hated multi, you know, hundreds of times. Never a fan of the Honeymooners, never a fan of Star Trek. Seen every episode of both of those things hundreds of times. Now this a never-ending source of new material. And that's just a stupid television and cable. Yeah, you see systems... Then you go with the internet and you go... You know, you're, you're cutting in and out, dude. You're cutting in and out, man. The internet's fucking with you. You think it's me? I don't know. It's not me. I it's you. I don't think it's me. I'm, I got like... I, I am pretty much hardwired in on this one. It's the Russians, yo. Yo, you know what? I wanted to do a podcast on that. And I'll tell you why. Because I heard that... <laughs> Because why? I would zoop like our thing was just hacked by the yeah. Russians. 
No, but I wanted to do one on there because I actually was like, what the fuck is this all about? So I started like just gobbling up news, going online and trying to read everything I could about it. And because I thought that was really kind of fucked up that the, that the whole thing is that you, a country can hack another country or hack an election. And it just seemed like, wow, that's fucking horrible. It's like you could just hack someone's life and their whole shit. And then I realized that it's just... It's just a term used to scare everybody into like saying, yo, you can get hacked. What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. If you're, if you're not careful, someone can get, take your shit. But if the thing is, if you have horrible shit that people can take and let people know about, that's on you having the horrible shit. You know, in this day and age of all this information, if you're not smart enough to keep whatever you crazy people do on the DL, it's your own fault, man. And I think that's what's happening with a lot of that Russian hacking shit. Like, no one really fucking hacked anybody. They just <laughs> let people know certain shit about certain people. And that's what happened, man. But I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a couple dudes about it. I think, man, some heavy cats, bro. I mean, here's here's one thing. People started voluntarily putting their own information up on Facebook. Yeah, here's a picture of what I look like. Here's where I live. To people who fill it out honestly, here's my age, my birthday. Huh. Here's here's where I went to school. It's like, okay, weren't those the questions they used to ask you in a bank to verify your identification and we're voluntarily giving them to Facebook? And then, oh yeah, so then we're giving them pictures and then we'll show them who our friends are, what things we like, what things we don't like. So we're letting, and then, you know, they invent algorithms or they invented them before they even started this stuff, which, which has a profile in each and every person. And then you have facial recognition ability from looking at the hundreds of pictures you've posted of you and your friends that you've tagged. And if you go on there every once in a while, you go to tag a picture of yourself, it tells you, you know, is that a picture of me? And you wonder, like, is that because I generally tagged me first? Or is that because it's starting to know who I am? Yeah. So that, that, yeah, because it, it is one of those things where the AI, is that it? Yeah, artificial intelligence thing, it learns, like, it learns not like a human brain, it learns like, like a, you know, it's a computer. So it learns mathematically and exponentially, which is apparently hurting my head to think about. <laughs> you got That's because you got. Wow. You got. I don't know what kind of intelligence you got. I don't either, man. That's my problem. I try to fucking learn things. And I keep forgetting other shit. Lizard brain. Yeah. Well, dude, the 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 weird thing about how all that that science stuff is going to put everybody out of business. So think of all the, the stuff like just in the last like 150 years, right? That, that machines are now doing, you know, all those menial jobs that like, you know, people used to work in a factory, putting the cars together. And that was their, their gig for 30 years. They'd start when they were 20, they retire, you know, it'd be like right out of high school kind of vibe. And yeah. you could make a living and raise a family and all that shit. And now McDonald's is trying to get motherfuckers for $17 an hour. Well, how's that sustainable, man? I'm working for seventeen an hour. I'll work at a McDonald's. Oh shit, man! I mean, I know a lot of people that would too. Actually, you know what? I know a lot of suckers that that are too proud to do that kind of shit. I'd be like, yo, I'll be up in that piece when my days off, man. Make a couple of hundred, boom. Yeah. First, first, seventeen dollars an hour is not bad pay. Second of all, their expectations are very low. <laughs> I've seen their employees. Their expectations are not high. But, yo, even McDonald's is scaling back to the computers, man. You go in there now, the ones over here in England, 
You go in there and they got the motherfucking uh, computer terminal that you, you do your order from. Okay. You, they have a guy there just kind of looking like, yeah, you don't want to fuck with me. And then, or you go up to this computer thing and tap on that shit. They, they only got like the dudes in the back cooking that stuff, man. They don't even need those guys. But that's that's part of that Trump thing too, where he's telling all these people he's going to get their jobs back. What jobs back? They're going to well, be taken by computers and machines. Yeah, the coal, the coal company. Well, if he says the jobs don't exist anymore, people can't have them. I guess that's the reasoning. You can't have something back that does no longer exist, you know? I've had, I was a travel agent. I've had a profession that really doesn't exist anymore. And even yeah. when it does, like, for why? You know, yeah, some well, people, if you have a big business, sometimes you have one. But in general, people go on the internet and fucking book travel. You know, it's the strangest shit. It's like, I do a little bit of both. Because I'll, I'll fly really cheaply, but I won't stay cheaply so I use I use this girl Lisa the band's been using her for 20 years man she's great right the band's a business yeah yeah but I, I go if I want to get like a nice hotel like I take my mom to Rome I'll fly easy jet but I'll stay at like you know a dope five star hotel in Rome why not well no I'm just saying I like I'm 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 frugal enough because I got children that I know if you fly that's that's like a lot of loot man if you try to fly well all the time you know what I'm saying I always work with fly as cheap as you can stay as cheap as you can and spend all the money you want while you're there yeah that's a good way to do it you know, eat fancy drink fancy club fancy whatever no I hear you there man I hear you there I, I just find it like just because I've been in the band and we playing all over the place when it comes to like going to a shit hotel Oh, I can't take it, man. And I also, I've been to so many. I know all right. the horrible stories that if I see like a telltale sign of scumbagginess or something, I'll be like, oh my God, everybody's got to leave. I'll be getting the whole family out of there. Right. Well, now you now you got Airbnb, so you don't have to go to the scummy hotel. You can go to somebody's weird house and decide, oh, this is funky. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. I think Airbnb is a good thing. Is in, in Manhattan, is it like against the law yet? They're still up and down with what they're trying to do with that stuff, but I mean, I think it's great, you know. Why not? I mean, if you want it, if look, I tell you this, man, in this economy, if you're doing something illegal and you're paying taxes on it, God bless you, man. I mean, you know, if you own an apartment, right, or even if you renting it to a certain extent, I mean, if you own it, because then you have to have responsibility. That's what I think is important for Airbnb. So if you own like an apartment that you have and you need money and that's a great way to make some legal cash and you're paying taxes on it go for it man I know a guy who does it every weekend yeah where he goes stay at a different friend's house every weekend and he rents out his place every weekend where is it Manhattan yeah on like 28th street or some shit like that oh my old hood no it's farther west yeah I mean I, I think that's kind of a cool thing to do if you will actually I don't I don't know if I could have people I don't know hanging in my place right you know? well he's got he's got it set up pretty much for that so it's very minimalistic of how much personal shit he has in there and all that sort of stuff but a lot of times like the, I guess to have a locked bedroom or something like that you can't get into right yeah you lock a closet or something like that I don't know I mean me I just you know I live amongst my life <laughs> no I mean yeah <laughs> dude, flooded apartment. No, dude before I got before I got married I guess because I when I moved from 18th to 28th I guess that's why I kind of simplified a lot of stuff because it was that big loft and I just didn't have room for a bunch of crap. But yeah, sometimes you got to go minimalistic on stuff, man. Japanese, they know what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, yo, speaking of which, I was at Nobu the other night chilling with Bex, man. We went out to Nobu. That place is dope, man. I always, I always like, love me the Nobu, man. Very dope. Very dope. So what, dope a, good, what, a, what a good restaurant you're going to take me out to in New you York. Ain't, you ain't got no class. Take you to Shake Shack. <laughs> 
No, don't be like that, man. Take it to Arby's. <laughs> I'll have already gotten all that stuff up at Cape Cod. That's, that's what I do. I go out to the Cape, man. And for y'all listening, Cape Cod is, it's like, it's like a, it's in New England, all right? So it's like the place where they film Jaws, where my mom lives. It's fucking great, man. It's lovely. It's idyllic during the summer, though, isn't it? Jaws is Amityville, Long Island, I thought. Amityville, Long Island? No. It was Amityville, but it was Amityville, Long Island. It was Amity, not Amityville. Amityville's where the horror was, with the house with the murder. Yeah, that's the weird house with those. You know, I would never buy a house that had those those two windows. You know, like the, you could see the house in your mind, right? It had like a it had the uh, the fireplace, the smokestack, whatever, at the chimney going up yeah. in the middle, and it had those two little windows Gables. on either. What? Gables. Gables is that what they call them? Oh, the house of the seven gables. They have seven of them, right? I, I guess so. Then, yeah. <laughs> I tell you, that's that's why I love hanging with you, man. You know the words for everything. Well, it could have been flying buttress. It could have been many a thing. I suppose a bay window. Whatever it is, they're on either side of the the, uh, the chimney, and it just it from the from the commercial. I guess it was the uh, the poster, the poster for the movie back in the day. It just stuck with me. I wouldn't get a house with that kind of thing. I almost did one time. I was like, nah. It's the Amityville house, never. Well, I think you have to worry more about the cold spots where the... Maybe that's where that fly was coming from, from where the cold spots were. <laughs> yeah, it was, you live in a murder house? Uh, you know what? I don't think so. It's I checked it. house, right? How old is that house? Like 400 years or some shit? It is. Like, it's, what was it? 16... 1690s? So, enough, well, right? Chances are somebody was murdered in your house at some point in time. Or died, yeah. Well, that, but died like a nefarious. Yeah. People used to die from fucking, uh, you know, from doing all types of shit, man. People used to die from toothaches. <laughs> yeah. That's now true. we need to be a hundred. That's another problem. There's too many people living too long. Yo, I was talking to that dude Ricky Gervais, and I was telling him about that book that Ray Kurzweil wrote, "The Singularity Is Near," about how biology and technology are. Zipping together and stuff, and the guy, who invented, the guy who invented the keyboard thing. Yeah, he's like this. He does a lot of like tech writing and tech. I mean, but this is like medicine based. It's a great book. Anyway, I talked to this dude about it. And he was like, "Yo, that's great." And I was like, "I don't know, man. I just don't know if it did." Like in my mind, I figure the life cycle of a human is gonna gotta go through the roof. Like my kids are probably gonna live to like 150, 200, or something like that, right? If the way things are going are exponential growth, I mean, shit. Well, it's a good book. You should check wanna, it out. Got my graphs. father wants them to be 100 years old. I never wanted to live that long. Well, I mean, I guess when, you know, I know people that, you know, once they get the other side of 80, they're like, this was good, you know? But I also know people get the other side of 80, like, I'm going to hang in, man. This is great, you know? I guess it's just how you're looking at life, man. I'm just trying to live it every day, but I just think by then, you know, once you start falling apart, once you once you start to start thinking about diapers again. Oh yeah, man, that's a fucked up thing. You know, that's that's where my interest fails, and then you know, once and once women don't become interesting to me anymore. Well, I don't. Would they? Would they always be interesting? Well, you know what? I'm interesting enough to make uh, the flag fly. Oh, okay. Well, you know, also with what's going on with all the medicine for making flags fly. Yeah, I don't want any fake flags on. I'm a <laughs> true flyer of the flag. You know, that's so one of my father's things. My father had his prostate removed, and I went to the hospital room a couple of days afterwards while he was in recovery to see how he's doing. He goes, 
He goes, I just want to tell you, the flag still flies. Yeah. What? Yeah, I guess that is, that's horrible. To some listen, kind of, listen, he goes, the flag still flies. I go, okay, Dad. Well, it kind of seems, it kind of seems like stuff like that. You got to reiterate shit like that. I don't, you might be right, man. Maybe it's kind of like, you know, where you kind of like, oh, man, well. Well, you know, I really, I think I've, I think I've been interested in girls since the beginning. Like, I mean, I remember playing run, catch, and kiss in first grade, and other than smelly Ellie Marmelstein, there really wasn't a girl I didn't want to catch me. <laughs> well, man, that's yeah, yeah. I mean, I was the thing is like I kind of see like a little bit of me and my son where he talks to people right and right. he talks to grown up women he talks to kids with little ki- girls he talks to boys talks to men he just he's good at conversing right and I'm thinking he's going to be macking when he gets a little bit older man because he can actually speak to people and I see a lot of young kids not being able to look other grown ups in the eye I just found something with Mateo when are we when were we getting suits from Savoya before he died yeah I know before he died man but what was it 98 <laughs> I think it's 98 well, well it was the year 2 milli as Mateo called the year 2000 <laughs> <laughs> that was great welcome to the 2 milli and you and I went around and made sure nobody corrected him at any point in time. <laughs> I know. Don't tell Mateo. Don't tell Mateo it's not the two milli. <laughs> uh, Welcome to the year two milli, ladies and gentlemen. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> wow, man. I'm just, I'm just seeing something, a picture from 98. And it's like Mateo, Mike Testone, and me. I look like freaking Errol Flynn. I don't know what the hell I was thinking, man. He went both ways. I didn't mean it like that, but... I'm just looking at the little pencil mustache and the cravat. I'm going, what's up with that boy? I think he's the one where when he died, his friends dug him up to play poker with him. Oh, really? He was Tasmanian. Really? He was from Tasmania? I believe so. I'm trying to think if I know any other facts about Errol Flynn. I think that's it. I think those are my three big facts. Now, dude, I got to ask you a question, man, because were you always the guy that had the facts? Like, because I know your dad's into that kind of stuff. Was something like you got off of him? Trivia and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I knew who the June Taylor answers were when I was like five years old. And people were like, people, people, people go, that show went off the air before you were ever born. Mm -hmm. It was from some Jackie Gleason show. But I guess I heard my grandmother talk about it once. And all these things always stuck in my head. Yeah, you know, because before Google and the computer, I used to be like, you know, I was the phone a friend guy. Like everybody I knew always told me, if I was ever a, a millionaire and they and I need a phone a friend, I'm calling you. Well, I'll tell you, man. I remember now I'm just useless because you got computers. Well, no, nah, man. I think it's. I think it's also to have that knowledge. You can. And it's like I was. You know, we were just talking earlier. Where it was like, you know, people think that Google's part of their brain and. I think if you think something and you know it and it's in your brain, it shapes your perspective a little bit, whatever to whatever degree. You know what I'm saying? Like if you can go, well, I'll just Google it so I won't retain anything. I think the retention of information makes your brain work different. You know what I'm saying? Like it has. I mean, well, sure. You, you, I mean, for a lot of times you're taking you know logical thought or analytical thought out of things. Yeah, but it's also you know I mean I I've always believed this that you know that everybody has all this knowledge in their head provided they've watched as much television seen as many movies and read as many books as I have or listened to as many lectures I think you remember every single thing or your brain rather remembers every single thing that's ever come into contact with you in your entire life the difference between people 
is their ability to access information in different ways. And, you know, that's sort of what computers do. Computers have different ways to decide how to access the information. So there's different ways memory works where you can access information or not. I've just always been lucky, and it may have been part of when I was dis- when I was a kid, I was dyslexic, and so it may have been part of something to help me cover for that was always being able to remember and repeat things. So rather than read a book, somebody else would read the book, and then I could just recite the book back and know when they turned the pages, and it looked like I was reading the book. Wow. See, that's how I always think like within within some kind of like struggle and adversity comes a certain kind of strength and guile and just like your brain just goes, all right, I got to get past this. You know, it's almost a cover up that, you know, whatever you couldn't read that at that point, but you adapted and it was a better thing. And right. now your mind's a photograph. Because I used to have this book my mom gave me. It was like, what was it called? It was like the, it was like the encyclopedia of rock and roll or something like that. But it was from... 1978 or whatever whatever she got it from it was about I was like maybe even younger maybe I was like seven it's on my shelves yeah but, but you know what I'm saying it's like this book I used to have in the bathroom and anytime I was in the bathroom and you know when you're a young kid you try to spend a lot of time by yourself if it's just you and your mom in a two bedroom apartment so I used to read all that stuff and I and it served me now you got the the, the pestilence in your fucking house man flew through the these computers are amazing. Yeah, it just went right in, man. But yeah, I, I remember I retained all that information, and it served me really well later in my life when I started when I started like doing interviews and stuff, and I'd have to talk to like dudes. Like I remember Keith Richards asked for me to interview him, and they were like, "Yo, do you know him?" I was like, "Nah." And then when I met him, he was like, yeah, I just, you know, I, I heard that he was not a, not a knucklehead like everybody else who was ever asking me questions. <laughs> I was flattered. I was like, yeah, all right, cool, man. Asked him, like, some cool questions. Well, we know his daughters. Yeah, yeah. Then, you know, it's one of the things, cause that was one of the things yeah, I was talking was, about. I know his son, too. I think you met Marlon before, yeah? Yeah, I've met Marlon, yeah. But I didn't talk to Marlon about his dad. I didn't talk to his, no. his daughters about him, either. I mean, well, one no. time we were DJing with you, me, and Uncle Mike. And she had that boyfriend that we knew, and uh, the other Nick Cohen. No, 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 no. It was before that. It was the talk like kid. These, but with those young kids that used to come in a bungalow, way, like Theo's boys. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were good. They were good kids, but they were young and they were like running up with some girls, man, all the time, man. That's what made you hate them. <laughs> no, 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 they, no. He was a good kid. I liked him a lot. And he came up and he said, "Oh, my girl wants to uh, make a request," and I was like, "Yeah, okay." No problem. And she came into the booth. She's a nice girl. And I kind of, I, I, I kind of was just nice to her because she was that dude's girlfriend. It's like, what do you want to ask? She's like, can't you hear me knocking? Right? <laughs> Which is a great, great, one of my favorite Stone songs. Can't you hear me knocking? But can you play the outro, the, the Spanish outro? I was like, damn, of course I can. She goes, great. It's one of my dad's, one of my, my, my favorite songs with my dad. I was like, huh? And I kind of like, and then I looked at her, and you can kind of tell who's her dad if you look at her like that. And I was like, "Holy shit, is that?" I think you can, you can tell who their mom is. Well, yeah, I mean they're they're very pretty, but there's almost if you could almost see a little bit of him in the kids. But that's that's just if you look. But they were nice. But they were nice, man. They were nice kids. Man. They're very nice. They ain't kids no more either. What's that? They ain't kids no more either. Yeah, that's true, man. It's kind of weird because I guess the people that are running up. In the clubs, and we used to run up in the clubs, but we were kind of older, man. When I met you at, at Bowery Bar, how old were you? Because I was like 30, maybe. Well, I'm four years older than you. All right, because it, it was like, no, I was still, no, it was maybe like the first or second year I had a record deal, wasn't it? It was like 96. 
97. Yeah. The album had come out. I know that. All right. So it was 97. Yeah. Cause it was that, cause every summer I was away, I remember I came back and there was that, there was that dude from like this magazine over here was doing like a covered thing and he came out to New York and I took him around and he had, he said, I'll get a limo. We'll go wherever you want. I was like, great. I get to, get to go in a limo, not worry about parking a car or taking taxis to clubs. But I ran up in, in your place. I, I knew you by then, right? Yeah. I think I'm in the magazine. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're, you know, I'm talking about that one. I, I do one of these with yeah. my back. <laughs> I think there's a back a picture of my back where I'm doing some very New Yorky Jewy hand gestures. Can you do some New Yorky Jewy hand gestures for the photo? Okay. I thought it was kind of it was it was kind of cool because I mean it could be an Italian hand gesture too. Don't it's just in New York. Yeah, I know, but you happen to be and not Italian. Like, hey, hey, what are you fucking doing? What are you fucking talking about? <laughs> oh man, fast! I'm really popular whenever I'm on. With you, dude. I have a certain magnetism. People like me. <laughs> now you hurt my feelings. Oh, man. Uh, dude, yo, Fast just sent me a picture of the dude that used to play drums in the criminals in the beginning. But it was a, it was a, it was a, um, uh, it was like a clipping from a newspaper saying drummer wanted in, in what was it? What did it say? It's like remember he got he got like uh, he got in some trouble back in the day. He was he called up a That's massage cool. parlor. Yeah, it's like drummer faces dirty calls probe. <laughs> it says his name is arrested. Oh my god, fast is fast is come with him, man. That dude, he's consistently he's consistently on it. He'll, he'll find stuff and I'll be like holy moly how do you find that he's like I'm, I'm vigilant <laughs> he's got a alert on his computer <laughs> well, really okay maybe he's not you so vigilant that one either. you can set you can set a google alert really what does that yeah. mean well you can put in something like your name or the name of your band or any sort of thing like that and then anytime it comes up anywhere on the internet that google's aware of it what? alert book that your name has come up in an article or some shit like that. Really? No. We do it, uh, apparently, Chris does it for the Tangiers Blues Band. Wow. So I guess the alarm doesn't go off as often as your alarm would go off, but, you know, hey, we're wow. trying. Man, that's, I think that's a little bit fucking weird that you could do that, man. I mean, Googling yourself is pretty fucking weird, but having Google Google you, it's just, that's a little extra weird, I think, man. Well, I, I guess a lot of businesses do it. I, I guess it's supposed to be for businesses and stuff, but I, I, you know people are doing it about themselves. Well, just here, I mean, I, I ain't really heard about that till just now, but you can like set your phone or set a Google alert. Is that it? Is yeah. That's I, I, think it's new. I think Chris was doing this like five years ago. Oh, I never learned computer shit I didn't I didn't think I'd be prepared to understand on a personal level you know like stuff like that I never learned anything I, lo I know how to listen to music <laughs> and, and use it as a typewriter yeah like a word process I wrote a book on it I have a lot of music that I music work I do on it I mean I can I can work the pro tools and that's pretty advanced yeah I could somewhat do that when I had uh, the better computer than this piece of shit yeah, it's, the camera's real fucking dodgy, bro. I mean, unless well, the lighting in your place. The lighting is dodgy. Yeah, man, it looks like I'm... I'm it, you know, just the frame that I'm looking into, it oh, looks look like you're in, like, Kazakhstan or something. Now it just looks dark, bro. Now it still looks like it's dark Kazakhstan. It's, I got a sepia tone to me. I know, you're like sepia, and you got that mirror behind you that's like that old school one from... Was that, like, from Morocco? Uh, that mirror? Yeah. That mirror is like, I don't know, it's a little Art Deco, actually. It's not that, uh, it's scalloped and it's silver. 
Okay. Just, it, yeah, but I guess with the, the I don't know. It looks like you, you. It looks like you're farming opium in, in Afghanistan. You look like you're one of those guys. It's a vintage 1970s <laughs> Studio 54 cocaine tabletop. <laughs> it's been to converted into a, a house mirror. <laughs> way so, too close. To, so, way too close to my bed. <laughs> so man, let me get all the way around the point. Like, what's where is the the cool spots to hang now? Is it still just big old kind of big clubs like One Oak and? I, I mean, honestly, I don't even think there are any cool spots to hang right now. But like, when I come through, where are we gonna go? Back to the back to Nini, Lily's joint because I like that place. That's cool. You can blaze. It's nice. Oh, at the, well, then yeah, any of the rooftop places will work. You still a, are you a member in good standing of Soho House? They have a nice roof. Yeah, I'm good with them. <laughs> they know me. <laughs> now I'm a member. I, you know, I've been a member for years, man. Um, you know. It's, is that place good to hang out in though? It's like the bar is cool. I know that we used to hang out at the pool. No, you can go. You can go upstairs to the pool at night, and smoke, and sometimes you can, you know, smoke. <laughs> all right. No, all these places suck. They all suck. They're terrible. <laughs> They're off. Everybody's boring. The only people they let into the places are the people who want to buy tables, and so it's all the people I used to turn down. <laughs> And now all the people that come in. So yeah, I mean, tell me about this because when did this start shifting? It was back in the who started the whole bottle service at nightclubs, which turned it in to stay, or it stopped it from being like a cool thing in New York City anyway. I mean, I really think what happened was that one of the places opened that some place opened in Vegas, and they made so much fucking money that people went, "Oh, what are they doing?" And they followed this sort of Vegas program where it just became, you know, like I literally used to have. 300 to 500 free tickets a night to give out. Yeah. And and unlimited drink tickets and other things too. And you just gave it to the people who looked cool or acted cool who were, you know, real New Yorkers or at least, you know, funky or, you know, something. Yeah. And... Yeah, what was your criteria for letting someone in a club? Well, I used to say it was the four Fs. You had to be uh, famous, fabulous, funky, or flaming. <laughs> <laughs> really? That was the four Fs? How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. 
ChumbaCasino.com/slash/acast. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So, dude, for people who don't know, King, what, he's the king. He's the king of the night spots. I remember seeing you before I met you at the building. And I think I was in the Marines back then. I mean, it was like late 80s, 90s, man. That was crazy, bro. But that's where you started, right? That's where I started. I got a job as a favor through a friend. And I was the, I was actually this, I was, I was, at the time, I think I was six, four, and probably just under 300 pounds. And I was the smallest bouncer they had. Yeah, they had big guys there, man. Big boys, boys. They had, they, they had a, they had a security conflict because they, the black guys had segmented into one group and the white guys had segmented into another group. It was like jail. They had so many guys. There was like 50 white guys and 50 black. But how many security guards did they have at the building? On a given on a given night, they'd have between 25 and 40. Yeah, man. That's and a fucking big club. That's a big club force, man. And they brought me in to be the middleman. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of look white and you kind of look black. Can you come work at this place? <laughs> And I, and I did, and they and both sides loved me, and they, but they also hated me too because back in those days, you were actually allowed to beat the shit out of guys, and once you beat the shit out of a guy, you could throw him out of the club, and the cops would then take that guy away. And so, yeah. Also, <laughs> whereas you know, ten years down the road, and the fancier clubs all of a sudden became like everybody who complained, they they locked the bouncer up for the night. Wow. But then I wasn't the fucking bouncer at least, so I never had the accusation of that shit. But um, I don't know what the fuck. No, we were just talking about the building. We were talking about the building, and that's where you started, right? Yeah, the building was an old um, Con Edison, like, plant machine building that was, like, about 10 stories tall and completely, like, hollow in the middle. It was just, there were sides to it. Yeah. Like, all around, like, almost a Spanish, like, it was an indoor Spanish courtyard, but high-rise. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing looking. Well, yeah. It was only 10 floors, but it was ridiculous. And it held tons and tons of people. And... Every type of music on different nights, and you know, like uh, Tribe Called Quest debuted their Bettina Applebaum uh, video there, and like DJ Kiyoki, and like as you know, the club kids started out there. Yeah, for a competition for the limelight with the whole Mike Lalic stuff. He used to work at both clubs, and uh, just like every hip hop artist in the world would come through on, I think it was Tuesday nights, and they would get up with the DJ and just rap from like one corner of this upper deck thing. Yeah, I remember the upper deck thing. That was awesome. It was like the control panel, right? Well, Payday or Power Bar or something like that. No, wasn't it Pay... It was Payday, like the uh, like the candy bar Payday. That was what the flyer looked like. I remember. That was definitely a flyer for some party. I just don't yeah. remember if that was the party. Yeah, I, you know, I can't say for 100 either. But, yo, man, that's that's interesting because, like, the thing I noticed that when I started working the clubs, but it was, it was like, you know, later, later, like when I was... Out of the Marines. Yeah, it was when I, when I got out of the Marines, I got a job at the Palladium, and I didn't know they owned the Limelight, and then I didn't know they owned the Tunnel, and then they opened Club USA, and I ended up being in those clubs, right? And that was where I worked, but... 
I used to hang out at all these other clubs, and I always found the place I'd always hang out at were the ones that would do different music. You know, it wouldn't be like it wouldn't be like that whole thing. Like nowadays, I guess if you go to a club, you hear that music. You know, like pop, but like R and B, hip hop, pop. That's just how clubs are now, right? You don't get a real diverse top forty. We used to go to club. One of the things we used to go to club was to learn about music. You get yeah. a DJ, and a DJ was real cool. He'd play you some shit you never heard. You go up to him and ask him what the fuck it was, and he'd tell you. Now people go to clubs and they want to hear the same song they listen to on their iPod, the same song they listen to on the car ride home on the radio, same song they heard as they were coming to the club. They want to hear that same stupid top forty song. They don't want to ever hear anything new ever. They don't want to hear anything old ever. Yeah. You know, uh, like Dance Theory was one of my favorites when I was going to club because Dance Theory was like five, six floors. And on every floor, they had a different DJ feel, vibe, decoration, sometimes band. Yeah. You know, and that was the shit. You didn't like something going on on one floor? Go to the next floor. Yeah, there's always something there. With Mars, was like that too, man. Yeah. That, that was my favorite kind of club because, and I thought, you know what it was? It was my favorite kind of club. Because I didn't see the same types of people. It was like all different types of walks of life. I remember the roof at Mars, man. Aha, uh-huh, I sent it back to you. Yeah, man. The roof yeah, at Mars. Well, that's the whole thing when you ask me about what clubs to go out to and this and that. My whole thing always was I, I like people watching, right? You know, growing up, I'm lucky enough to grow up in New York in the village when I grew up. People were really fucking interesting. Yeah. But they're really not anymore. Every single guy wears the same uniform, you know, that blue jeans, sometimes with a crease in it, loafers, no socks, uh, pressed blue button up, button down collar shirt. Yeah. And a blue blazer if you're lucky, if they're dressing up a lot, throwing the blue blazer on top. And all the girls are in a little black dress. Yeah, man. That, that's exactly how it is now, isn't it? You know, and, you know, the great. The, Danceteria, Mars, USA, the Roxy, all these ones, they were also great because you not only had a mix of black, white, Puerto Rican, Asian, you also had a mix of gay and straight. And, you know, like even Studio, going back to Studio 54, that, you know, it started as a, a pretty gay thing, but then it was everybody because it was just a vibe. It made things better. And now they're. they're it's made things better, dude. That's so fucking on point. It did, it made things better. You know, people think it's funny. The original hip hop was guys who were dancers. Yeah. You know, in original hip hop, when you would fight a guy, you would ba- you would battle dance. There was no shooting anybody. <laughs> well, dude, let's take this to the dance floor, mm-hmm. where everybody can see who's real. Yeah, a group of guys would form a circle around you, and they'd all move, and, and then in the middle of the thing, you you know. Dance <laughs> like West Side motherfucking stuff. <laughs> you know, my, one of my favorite joints was a Jackie Sixty. What was it on Tuesday nights? Late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The what? Do you know the story behind Jackie Sixty? Because that was like a predominantly like a, almost like a a tranny spot, right? Right. Well, it was uh, it was Chichi Valenti and, uh, and Johnny Dinell. Yeah, Johnny Dinell. And like you know, like the whole the beginning of the punk rock scene was very mixed as far as sexuality goes. Mm-hmm. You know, and like a lot of those guys, I think, I think one of those, I think Johnny was like a DJ at Max's Kansas City at one point in time. Really? You know, but Max's yeah. was the spot where everybody started. That was the Ramones. Yeah. And then there was the Mud Club. There was a lot of art involved with the club scenes too, area. You know, I would hang out, even even at the Palladium, I remember hanging out with, you know, Warhol and Basquiat and, and Kenny Scharf and, and uh, Keith Haring. You know, and it was, and, and even Schnabel. Yeah. You know, art and music and drug dealers and not generally guys from Wall Street, but you know, one or two of them. <laughs> gotta have a pump pump. Somebody's got to pay for the drink. <laughs> yeah. 
guys. But now it's just nothing but those guys from Wall Street. I mean, in a million years, if I was a billionaire, I'm not going to a club and buy a $20 bottle <laughs> for $300 and being given this table the size of a postage stamp and thinking I'm something fucking special. You know, you just said something that was just really on point, man. And it, it, it fails to astound me every time I hear it put like that. I mean, it's like, where are you going to... F- I mean, where are these people like Basquiat and Warhol and Haring and Schnabel? Well, I know what Schnabel is, but he's cool. <laughs> but he's a good dude. I like him. He's a good guy. But the thing is, uh, with that, like, where are those? Who are those people in this generation? You know, who are who are the? You know, who are? Well, Schnabel's alive. I can't really say that. But who are the people that are coming and bubbling that are doing something so bizarre and crazy? They have to find their own place to make it better. Well, I mean, you know. Right, Banksy. Yeah, but he doesn't hang. He's like the thing is, he's a good, he's a good example of how this this next generation coming up are like nihilists, man. I mean, he's he's anonymous. I know him because Becky knows him from back in the day. He's right. a nice dude. Yeah, he's a family man. You, he's not who you think he is. That's for sure. You yeah, know? give me a piece of art. Well, all right, man. I get on that. But the thing is about like that, it's like, you know, he's like really reserved. Like he knows if he tells people who he is, he's taking his whole shit in his hands, you know? So he doesn't tell a lot of people. And like, I kind of know by default, right? But I mean, I'm not going to rat him out or anything like that. I don't think that's important, but you see how people don't want to be out there because out there is kind of whack now. And like you said, dudes wearing uniforms and chicks wearing uniforms. That's been going on for a while, man. That's why I think it's going to shake and break soon, man. Well, Warhol famously said that, you know, everybody will at some point get 15 minutes of fame. And the thing is, it, it kind of, it, it's almost down to that. I know, I know Vine no longer exists, but Vine was eight seconds. And it was really, it's eight seconds of fame. It's something. And what is fame? This internet fame is, you know, it's all bullshit. Yeah, it's, it's also strange because, I mean, I, I've talked to people like who, when I met them, this is maybe like a year, maybe like five years ago, I met this one guy, right? And he was in the charts in England, you know, he was like, you know, really a big guy coming up, first record was banging, he's all over the place, right? He's selling millions of these fucking things. And he was selling millions of them, but it was right. right towards the end of it, maybe a little closer to maybe 10 years ago, right? And it was before all that crazy streaming thing kind of just took over and just like blapped everybody's money out of the music business. And he, this dude thought he didn't really have a good a good plan because he was pretty much going to do whatever the trend was. He was he didn't have his own vision to be a musician. He was just like, right. just, this is my hustle. I know the game. The game is I got to watch and see what the black kids in America do, and then I'll do some of that. And, of course, he didn't make it the next year, and he was just kind of out of it. But I also think it's kind of weird where that kind of that kind of uniqueness isn't isn't like what we're looking for. And I'm, I'm, us as a society, are we're not looking for unique. We're looking for same shit. Something we can we can we can look at like an X-ray, and there's nothing magic in it. No, I'll tell you what was amazing. It's gotten to this point. I watched one of those you know uh, singing audition shows, whatever they are. There's a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah. The, the American Got Talent. Yeah. I'm not not naming it to not promote a show. I'm not naming it because I don't remember which one it was. But the girl got up and sang, and they loved her after this. And she sang, and I'm watching her sing, and I'm, well, first I started listening, and I was like, oh, I can't believe they're letting somebody audition being auto-tuned. And then I went and watched, and she's singing in a way that she sounded like she was auto-tuned because everything <laughs> listened to her whole life growing up and emulated singing has been auto-tuned. So her own voice now sounds like it's running through a fucking computer. Oh, my God. 
You know, we have to blame for that. That share song from back in the day. If you believe in love after love. I don't know if we can sing anymore. This might be a publishing issue. But yo, that that's crazy, man. That was all over that track. And she can sing. And they were using that for an effect. I she, yeah. she like the thing is she could sing all them notes, but I don't know whatever they did. They made it flip up flip that do people are emulating that? Somebody hit it accidentally or something. I don't know what the story is behind it, but I'm going to go with they probably say some bullshit like that. Oh, the engineer hit it accidentally, and then the producer heard it and liked it and played it for her, and she loved it, and they went, and they went with it. Damn, man. You know, I heard Shirley Manson saying how... You remember Shirley, right? Yeah, of course. Now, she's cool, right? And she, I think she's living out in L.A. With, but anyway, she was doing something with Joe Rogan, and she was saying how all these people that are watching stuff on, on YouTube learn how to sing and play instruments and stuff like that that's all great right because I think people in that are getting creative and being musical is awesome I love music it's my shit but this she her argument is like everybody's really uh, mimicking and not really going through the life experience to get the sound that is Aretha Franklin you can sound exactly like Aretha Franklin but it's not coming from the authenticness of Aretha Franklin and frankly people don't care about that authenticness anymore I mean, I'm saying a large part with pop music. You know, I, I you know, you, you, you and I both are still primarily live performers. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I look at. You're performing in front of an audience, but um, you know, it's it's weird. Also, it, it, I think it goes back to the thing I was talking about, where you know, you're you're building that logic and you're building that thing. You know, like there's an originality in the music, but the music also has to come from somewhere. And it's yeah, like, it doesn't come from just your YouTube preferences. It's got to be in your no, I remember, you know, like I liked the Beatles at one point in time, and then I realized, oh, the Beatles are doing cover songs of the Isley Brothers. So I went and checked out some old Isley Brothers stuff, and I realized, oh, there's all this Motown stuff. So I checked out that too because they also did Motown covers of the Beatles. Okay. And then later on, I get into Elvis Costello, and Elvis Costello is a country music album. Mm-hmm. Now I'm aware of Hank Williams and some other stuff, but I like go track down some of these other country things he's into. He's into the Flying Burrito Brothers, who I've never heard of. And it's Graham Parsons. And that moves me into a whole other area of listening to stuff. You know, and so, and then from listening to all of those things, you then put your own stuff together and you take from all those things rather than taking from one thing. And you're producing your own sound because you, everything you've ever heard is adding to that. Yeah, I, that, but it's almost as if you can do that in an afternoon <laughs> if, if you're if you're young now, and I, I don't even think anybody's doing that anymore, though. I think you know, like, well, think they go, okay, here's this new pop sensation, and okay, cool. But yeah, pop was always around. Though. That's the thing we, we we always imagined because this is you know our lifetime that this is the only time this shit has ever happened. You know, and that's it's kind of but but there was pop music. There was like you know, were great. <laughs> Yeah, but maybe because it was maybe you know I never thought that you know Fabian was great. Fabian was not great. <laughs> That's a much better example than the monkey. People always bring up the monkey, and I was like, yeah, but the problem is the monkeys were even before they recorded their own tunes and after they recorded their own tunes, both great. I mean, you know, like they weren't great twenty years later, but they were great at that period of time. They did some really interesting things. Yeah, I just don't know if like I'm going to be rocking. Fabian's a much better example. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be rocking Justin Bieber. Out of nostalgia in fifteen Debbie, years, Debbie Gibson, Tiffany. Yeah, but they, but even that stuff was it was garbage, and I, I, but we, we liked it. Well, I didn't like it at the time, but people liked it at the time. But it, it seems as if they knew that what they were doing was kind of just of its time. 
You know? Yeah, it was disp- disposable pop. I think you know this seems to be a category. I mean, they don't actually sell you that in the uh, in the records record store, like there's record stores. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they don't actually. What do you know? Do you think what's the sub? What's the counterculture now, though? Um, what's what's uh, the fucking shit that we used to be knee deep in? You know. I would normally say it would be come from you know come from the black community, but even there, it's like it's so boring. All the stuff that I hear right now from that community, you know, the hip hop and the, the, the or I don't even call it hip hop trap music and all that. It just all sounds the same. It's all one note. It's the the raps aren't funny or interesting. Yeah, there's a guy. Who, there's a whole. There's a song that was a hit that they, where the guy the guy named Designer, and he's. I don't think he says anything other than the word panda. Five minutes throughout the song. I missed the part because I drifted off somewhere. But the song is pretty much panda, 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 panda. I don't think you can get sued for that in publishing. <laughs> wow. But yeah, I mean, you know, like there, there used to be like, especially like with our parents, maybe. You, but I think your father was actually cool because he's a musician. But no, he only listened to what he liked. Yeah. Okay. So just for example, like him going, the shit you're listening to. It's garbage, and you know him. You be like, no, Elvis, you know, Elvis Costello or the Clash. Or, no, they're good, Dad. And him going, you know, maybe they got some some kind of you know some kind of thing going on that's like deep and spiritual and musical. And and you can argue that toss, but now, like with some guy saying Panda for his whole damn song, you can't argue that toss. You can't say he's being really creative. No, you're going. He's being an opportunity to be successful, and he's. Taking it, it's. Not, I don't know if that's something that's bad, but it's not good for music. Short attention span theater. Yeah, but well, I mean, I also thought like whenever you you start, you know, closing your fist on something, which seems like how creativity is being kind of squelched out. It, the more sand you lose between your fingers, you know. So I think that might be the case now. That something's going to give. I'm hoping it is something gives, and it's nothing we're going to. Hey, you know, I mean, that's you know. It, 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 also, these things are. Yes. Secular, secular, whatever they come around, and I think the same thing goes with the nightclubs too. But I think in music, you know, like you could point to, you know, music was very commercial and and hair rock laden ballad crap, and then Nirvana came out, and you know, previous to that, the Sex Pistols came out, and then previous to that, it's some, you know, you go back to where Elvis came out, you know, and you know, the same thing in nightclubs. There was periods of time when they've been very boring, like now, and there've been periods of time when they get exciting again. You know, when I started to working them and I'm not taking the credit for it I don't mean like I made them exciting but they, they've been boring before that uh, which is kind of why I guess it's one of the reasons I started working them because I was bored of going to them I figured they might as well fucking pay me I saw a lot of weird stuff when I was working at the clubs that you know like that, that showed me that like those those really creative types were not were stopping the flow of the better as we used to call it like making things better they, they just weren't you know it was if it was if almost the tap got turned off you know what I mean like they were just like yeah you know, we really appreciate you making New York different, but we're going to take it from here. All the, all the, uh, you know, the the kids who work in accounts. You know what I'm saying with the the blue jean uniform. The thing. I played at BB King's on Friday, which is on 42nd Street, in a place that definitely used to be a dirty movie theater. Yeah, you know, or one of the one of the what we call the two dollar driving movie theaters, where you get the kung fu movie and like some other movie in there. And you know, the whole street is nothing but Disneyland over there. It's just tourists looking up at buildings and flashing lights and. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, my dad and I would drive up there on like Saturdays and Sundays, and he would drive around and look for like the coolest dressed pimp, and then point him out to <laughs> to see who could find the best dressed pimp. And he would always like find one. He'd go, "I'm going to get a hat like that one day." And I guess that's where my hat collection started. <laughs> and he saw the pimp hats. 
I remember the last time I was really remembering being on 42nd Street was at Madame Tussauds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Madame, it was weird. It was a weird night, man. I mean, it's not every day you get a wax figure unveiled at Madame Tussauds of yourself in your hometown and no one knows who you are. It was hilarious. And it closed the block. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for those who are listening, yeah, man, it was, I was, I have a wax figure at Madame Tussauds in New York and it came out, it was like 99 or something, 98, yeah. 99. It was right up when the band was doing really well in England. They were opening up one in New York and they just said, yeah, well, Huey's from New York and he's big in England, so we're going to give him a wax figure. So I got the wax figure made and they unveiled it at the one in New York and no one knew who I was because the band wasn't doing, didn't, well, we didn't, we put records out, but we weren't really working that market. You know, we were, we were fine with doing Europe and Asia, man, at that point. And no one really knew who I was. You came, right? That shit was fun. Yeah, I was, we were all in tuxedos. It was a very big night. Yeah, man. We, we what was it, Tony Bennett was like everybody who was not getting Tony the wax. Bennett, Evander Holyfield, Wolfgang Puck, the famous L.A. chef. Mm-hmm. And was it like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, yeah, man. And he went to Power like, Memorial, man. That's my guy. And, and Huey. And, and Huey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they didn't know who the hell was going on, man. Oh, man. And at one point, I remember it was just really funny. At one point, I, I got up and walked off when Giuliani came up on stage because I remember I'd gotten pulled in for for smoking a joint with Matteo. Yeah, on the bicycles. Yeah, and they put me through the system. I was bitter. And <laughs> then Giuliani comes up on stage. And I just walked off. It's like, boom, I left. This is obviously pre-9-11, so you could just walk around New York and shoot at shit. But yeah, it was just hilarious. The cops hated him back then. Oh, the yeah. cops, like, proud of, I think the union was having some fight with him or something like that, and the cop, like, patted you on the back. And <laughs> <laughs> you looked at the cop and went, not for the reason you're thinking, but cool. <laughs> you know what? Throughout my whole entire life, I've had nothing but really, like, a 90-10 positive experiences with New York City police officers. I had the one pull a gun on me when I was 14 and then flat the back of my shoe. (laughs) (laughs) It seemed like the reverse of how you should have done that, but whatever. Wait. No, he actually flat the back of my shoe. I turned around to say, what's the matter with you? And he pulled a gun on me. Wow. Was he like- yeah, that was the, see, there's, there's benefits to being a very big, older-looking child and, and and deficits. And the benefit was obviously, you know, the blowjobs. And, <laughs> and cops thought I was like, you know, the cop pulled him out. And I remember turning around going, I'm 13 or 40, whatever age I was at the time. I said that to him. He goes, oh, shit, kid, I thought you were much older than that. And he puts his gun back in its holster. <laughs> You six foot three, man. You could be. You could be a. Well, no, brother. I was probably. I was probably only like you know five eleven then. But the cop was probably five eight. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I remember when they started. They started getting a lot of lady cops because they lowered the height requirement because it was like five five. Then all of a sudden, a lot of little those lady cops are the ones you don't want to mess yeah, with. Yeah, a lot of those little those little Latinas, man, and they are ready to they're ready to throw some cuffs on you, Holmes. Yeah, I mean they're little toughies too, man. I don't mess with little Puerto Rican girls. Forget it, man. Even if they, then then they're not cops, man. I don't mess with them either, man. They're probably pretty hard to find in wanking on the shrubbery. <laughs> is that what you call the town I live in? Yes, wanking on the shrubbery. You know what, man? It is near. It, I'm I'm near a place called Chipping Sodbury. Why? Well, I I, tell you, I used to spend my Christmas. Christmas in uh, Sunbury on the Sunbury on Thames. What kind of town was that? Small. Yeah, it wasn't good. It was nice. I, we ate pheasant. I got buckshot in my teeth. Uh, I learned how to ride a bicycle there. Really? Did I tell you how I taught my kid how to ride a bike? You put him on the top of a hill and let him go. <laughs> no, it was it was one of those things where you know he has a he had a balance bike. 
for the longest yeah, I remember time. Yeah, that. Well, you got, got a nice little park there for him to ride. Yeah, he's got the, yeah. So anyway, I get him the bike for his birthday, right? We got this really cool red bike. He wanted a red bike. We got him a red bike. And, uh, I take him. I take him out uh, to this place to, to to do it. Right, I'm getting. My, my, I'm, I'm not thinking with my phone. Right, I figured this might take. You know, I'm thinking like a dad. This might take a day. Could take two days. Could take a week, a month, whatever. This is my son riding a bike. Big moment, right? So he gets on the bike, and I'm like, all right, let me hold the back of the seat, right? He, he, I, he goes, Dad, get off. And I like, I said, if I go off, if I let go, you're gonna fall. He says, just let go. I let go, and he starts riding the bike. Pedaling, just going off. I'm like, whoa, what's up? And I was like, no, get down, fall, quick. <laughs> he wouldn't do it. And I was like, oh, man. And I had to stage it for my mom afterwards. <laughs> so I staged it. He was like way too good. It was like literally, it was his second go, but he was he was just new because the, the balance bikes give you all the advantage you need. Man. Right. Well, and he's courageous beyond belief. Yeah, he's a big guy. He's a big heart, dude. So, yo, you know what? The thing about New York that I think is what I'm trying to get at is that I love New York so much and it's also because I, I, I was I grew up there and it's like I you know as much as you know I, I live in other places it's always going to be home you know for one of the, for a lot of reasons I'm almost obsessed with all these little fucked up things that are happening these changes I'm not disappointed I'm not hurt I'm just you know obsessed with it man that's kind of the weird thing where you're like wait what's a good place to hang out and I know damn well I'm going to go to Joe's and get some pizza I know damn well I go to Don Pepe's with Uncle Mike or out to Nathan's on the boardwalk you know we're going to do the same damn things we do for the last 50 years, bro. We've got the bigelows on the island, you know? You gotta have your Ipswich clam sandwich. Yeah, you gotta get your Ipswich clam sandwich. I go, I drive out all the way to Montauk for a lobster roll, right? No, we're gonna, we're gonna go visit your mom and have a shitload of lobster Oh yeah, that's, that's, that's true, yeah, that's true. But I, I know it's, it's gonna be, it's, it's one of those things where with New York, I think it can always, it can always do without all that kind of like peripheral noise that goes along with it. Like those dudes who dress all the same, the girls who dress all the same, they go to the clubs to buy the bottles and then they, they don't eat re- regular for the rest of the month because they spend most of their salary on a bottle to impress some girl that was never going to fuck them anyway, you know. Which, well, they can just get a girl by going on the phone and swiping left and right anyway, also. Yeah, that's some bizarre shit, too. That's a, I remember talking to Mateo about that, because he was the only single guy I knew. Well, we used to use a little thing we had called Charm and the Gift of Gab. Yeah, but the, only, but the, the thing is, yeah, but, I mean, like I said before, that's maybe we acquired that that talent or honed that you talent. Because you had to. Right. It's a tool of survival, but now you don't have it because you got a phone. But what happens if what they what happens if what they predicted Y two K was going to be ever happens? That's really true. Do most people know how to function without this? Do people who've never lived without this stuff know how to function at all without it? That's a good argument. I think it would be a, a steep learning curve for a lot of. I call them tenderfoots. <laughs> that was what we, us Marines used to call like dudes in the Air Force, whoever like dudes who weren't trained to be where we were, and they're like, huh. the tenderfoots, man. Yeah, they'll screw their their world up, but also like you know, I think something. I think something just in the nature of humanity is gonna move the status quo another jump on the like the uh, I guess then the needle on a record skips that's bound to happen at some point there's too much crazy shit going on in the world look when you're away traveling with the band right you can do this with your kid yeah this when is I was a kid I would get letters from foreign countries or postcards from my parents or my father when he was somewhere else mm-hmm. but, you know like 
And people act like, you know, if they spend 10 minutes away from their phone, well, something might happen. Yeah, do you think that's from 9-11? No, I think people just... I went I went to a KISS concert at... Uh, at I, know, the, no, the only, I, I know, I'm going to tell you about the KISS concert, but I know it sounds random, but the 9-11 thing, for a lot of people, especially New Yorkers, and it was a case with me for a long time, I'd ride the news in the background in my house. Like, the, the CNN would be on. Yeah, you were obsessed that way, I remember. Yeah, it really bugged me, man. I always thought I'd miss something horrible that's happening in New York. It was just really bad, man. I was as much comedy as possible. Yeah, I, you know, I, I got through it, man, but it was a hard time for me, man. I, I had a lot of problems. I, it was good because I was in the band. I could write music and try to get it out that way. Right. Well, you also you had, you had a bit of PS, whatever you call it. Yeah, but that was, you know, it's weird how that does that. it. But yeah, but that stays... Well, back in the day, they used to call that shell shock, right? Yeah. And so what happened at 9-11? Like, it's like a shell fucking going into a building. So why wouldn't you get shell shot from a fucking missile going off into a fucking building if you've lived through that shit? Well, I yeah, I totally understand. And I think anybody who's who's been in that situation understand that it's it's not the same thing. But when there's like a, a boiling point in your training or whatever like that, and you know when things are going to go bad... If they've gone bad before, and that's I, I think it's just kind of being hyper vigilant. It, it, you know, that's a really weird thing. But that did take me a minute to get around, man. I had to think myself a bunch, <laughs> you know, to work that problem, man. And that was that was like a, that was a steady thing for maybe like five, six years. I mean, I was really working hard to, you know, I was talking to Joyce a lot. You remember Joyce? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people. Look, we had a friend who lived right near it, right, Tim. Yeah. Yeah. He moved out to Long Island because he just, he couldn't. Yeah. He just, or she could his wife couldn't, either way. Well, he had you horrible know? shit happen. I'm, I talked to him on the, uh, on the pod, on the pod, man. And he's, he's awesome, Tim, man. But I know that when that shit happened, he was, he was freaking because he started hearing those things hit the top of his, his apartment building. And those things were people falling he out. Saw, yeah. He saw people falling. I mean, you know. It affects different people different ways. No, yeah, absolutely, man. And the thing is, I, I, as bad as I, I think 9-11 was and all that, I think it changed a lot of people's perception on reality. And I just think it's got, not that it's getting lax or anything like that, but I think something of magnitude like that, maybe not, you know, something like a terrorist attack. It could be something in North Korea. It could be something economical. It could be something European, you know, whatever. I just think I, something, I, I, something I, weird's going to throw throw everybody back and get everything back in perspective because I think perspective has been lost in general. Okay, so everybody's hyper vigilant and all that stuff, but uh, you've been trained in certain ways. I've been trained in certain ways for other things. But what's the most important thing they train you with in any emergency situation? Don't panic. Well, the, right? the, you know, I guess more specifically or more tactically is just breathe. Because the thing right. is, panic essentially is you freezing up and you're you don't breathe literally. Because you freeze, and they, right. people talk about the fight, the fight or flight. But there's the third one, which is the freeze. Yeah, no, I, you know it was funny. I was driving back from the gym today, saw this cute little like black bunny frozen on the side of the road because the car had just driven by. And I just saw it like frozen. I was like, oh damn! But it's like that's a very you know it's a it's an earth trait for a lot of the mammals is just to freeze, man. Deer in a headlight. Yeah, like holy moly! I'm not pro- programmed for this, you know. But so going back to this Kiss concert I Yeah, tell me about the I Kiss concert, man I was a sidetrack, sorry, dude Rock and roll all night and part of every day um, No, so no, it's, no it's, I want to rock and roll all night And party every day Not party and some of the day What'd you say? Part, part, part of every day That's, I, I want to <laughs> rock and roll and part of every day <laughs> Rock and roll all night and part of every day 
took a couple hours. Anyway, it's not my joke, so I'm not trying to steal anybody's joke. Um, nevertheless, they they're in makeup. It's it's for a John Barbados thing, which is now what's in the old CBGB space. Yeah, but performing on the old CB's you know area where the stage was and all that shit. They're actually wearing makeup and they're doing the dress to kill album sort of idea. They're wearing the three piece suits yeah. with the makeup. So what they don't want is people taking pictures before the advertisement comes out. So you have to check your cell phone at the door of this place now. And they put everybody's thing in a bag and in a locker and all that. Yeah, I've seen that. That's good. That's good. And they, they wand everybody and make you show you, show them all your medals to make sure you're not sneaking in any photographic devices or phones or anything like that. And so like the first, everybody started milling around. Band's supposed to start its kiss. They're not coming on any time on the right time. They're coming on an hour and a half late. Come on. Yeah, please. So people, then after about half an hour, you notice people start touching their pockets a lot. Like they're missing something. And it's that they're missing the fact that they look at their phone every 15 minutes, if even that rarely. Then after about 45 minutes, people start talking to each other. Oh, my God. And, and, and another 15 minutes goes by and now it's amazing because everybody's talking to each other and everybody's having a good time and you can hear people laughing you can hear little conversations going on you know me I'm not talking to anybody because I'm that guy but everybody else is having I mean New York was being New York <laughs> that's the thing New York was being New York man it was it was a it was great I loved it I loved it. I thought it was amazing. And then uh, Kiss came on. They were very, very close to us. And I realized how much an old Paul Stanley looks just like Liza Minnelli. Oh. And that sort of changed my feelings about Kiss. Also, for the second time I've seen Kiss ever, I got thrown a pick. And Paul Stanley threw me his pick, but it was Tom Thayer's pick, who's the ace, fake Ace Freely guy. Oh, really? And the other pick I had... Ace isn't playing with him? No. What? Ace Freely ain't in Kiss? No. Well, it's not Peter Chris in Kiss anymore either. It's some other drummer. Well, I, I knew they got rid of the drum, but I thought... But no, they, they, didn't they reform? They, I think they actually did play together at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. Oh, man. I thought they were back together together. Well, not that I really give a fuck. Sorry. No, I think they paid off the other guys or something. You know, like they... <laughs> G. Simmons got more money than anybody I know. He is the he's like Elon Musk of rock and roll, man. Really, he makes Puffy look like he just started, man. You know, makeup on a band's a brilliant idea. Makeup bags over your head, those DJs with mouse heads. Yeah. You can be nine hundred years old and still carry on your career. You could be three different guys playing the same gig, kind of thing. Yeah. So you show your face out there and then your face turns on you like Axl Rose or something, then what are you going to do? Hey, remember that time that I that it was we were leaving Bungalow at like 7 in the morning and it was Axl Rose, Lenny Kravitz, Lars from Metallica, and who else? Who else was there? I don't know, but it already sounds like the start of the world's worst super group. No, but when, I was, when we left, I was like, dude, if I had a hand grenade, I could save rock and roll right now. <laughs> and I know that everybody was like, whoa, that's me. And I was like, yo, but think about that, bro. You know. What would you call that super group? What would you give them as a name? <laughs> Oy vey. I don't know. Some, the word cock should be in there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Man, yeah, it's got to be like, you know, uh, Red Cock or something like that, you know. Big Cock and the Roosters. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I don't know, man. 
You know, they probably own they probably own a uh, a consortium island together somewhere, man. Yeah. You know, between Corsica and Sardinia, which is the airstrip and the and the John the only, Deere. The only reason they didn't get to kill you was because they were too busy explaining their plan for world takeover to you, and you escaped. <laughs> no, I was just I was. <laughs> no, it was definitely we were not hanging with them. You know, because I, I don't. I don't think Lenny really was, Lenny Kravitz never really was down with me after the Glastonbury thing since 99. So I'd see him and he'd just kind of be like, this guy. And I was like, I don't bear him any ill will, but he doesn't forget shit. He kept that grudge, man. He's like, I don't like you. <laughs> I got no problem with him per se, except for he thinks crystals are the same things as underarm deodorants and soap. So well, he's, uh, he's like patchouli, OG, OBO. Patchouli would be an improvement. Where patchouli would be an improvement. Well, he's stinky. You just funky, you know, funky, funky. Some funky. people are just funky, man. You can have money and just be funky, and you can be clean and just be funky. Like I know, I know, a dude who just does not wear deodorant and he washes, but like, yo, halfway through the day, you don't want to be hanging with him because you'd be like, damn, I smell you, dude. I smell you, <laughs> and I'll smell you later. I, I, no, I said that to him one time. He's like, well, what? I was like, I smell you, man. This is fucking weird, bro. I was like, you just you should put on deodorant for other motherfuckers, man. He's like, I don't need to put on jazz. I said, you do. You do. And I'm being your friend telling you this. And that's the thing. I was a friend with him. If I'm not his friend, I'm just going to be like, yo, you stink. And that's it. At least I was like, yo, you stink. Wear, wear some, get some speed stick, whatever, man. Buy yeah, men in. That's true friendship. You're supposed to tell your friends shit like that. Yeah. You know, like. You, you like, know, that's when you know men are real friends as opposed to girls. Because girls will tell other girls they look good in that outfit when they do not look good in that outfit. Yeah, that's true. Oh, you look so cute like that. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I'll tell you this, man. My 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 shit has never run smoother since I have women running it because that's who you want to do business with. They get shit done, but I'm not a woman, so I don't get catty with them. You know, it's not. I'm just cool with them. I, that's that's another thing. Like when I was growing up, right? I had to learn how to be different, like be grown up with with grown ups, and then be different when I was a kid. You know what I'm saying? Like when you were saying you were talking to your your uncles who were your dad's uncle. Yeah. You had to learn how to talk with them, not to them or at them, but with them. So you had to get up with their with their lingo and their vernacular and all that kind of stuff and hang with it. And then you could go back to your friends and you'd have a couple cool curse words you could tell them, you know. I mean, that's what being eight years old is about, man. I'm trying to think of what the heck the thing was the guy said once. It made me laugh so hard. Now I can't think of his word for it. He had a great word for vagina. <laughs> it wasn't that no, it was You know that. what Vagina was never A good word For a vagina Well it's a medical term I know what it is man But it's like One of those things It's like You know that Remember back in the 70s There was that Illustrated yeah, Erotic book Called the Ju- Yeah I know Right Now That's kind of what The word vagina Means to me It means like the hairy illustrations the hairy illustrations it's just too clinically I mean I know it's the word it's like you don't say penis you know you just have to another word that you feel unless you're Australian you can't go around calling it a gank a gank (laughs) yeah I I never was comfortable with that word but I I, you know it would be the the C word and then vagina would be my second word I mean that I wouldn't want to call it oh I know what it was so old geezer says to me and I'm like, I'm too young to, to be dealing with women yet when this guy says this to me. He goes, hey, kid, you're a good-looking kid. You're going to go out and get yourself some, some strahone tonight? <laughs> strahone. Uh, 
I have no idea he's using this word as a substitute for vagina. I think he's talking about some food or some shit like that. And so the next time I see this old geezer in the bar that my uncle goes to, I was like, it wasn't on the menu. <laughs> he laughs. Strahone. He goes, did you get some Strahone the other night? I go, it wasn't on the menu because I looked at the whole menu. <laughs> nah, Strahone is one of those off-the-menu items. And he just... And so it went on for years until, like, I guess my uncle once told me, he goes, you know, he's talking about women. And I still didn't even really understand. I thought he just meant women were Strahone. <laughs> By the so, way, I remember a Greek waiter at the diner on First Avenue off on where Stuyvesant Town was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one, like, it was like, I don't know, it was that diner that was between, like, 16th and 18th Streets or whatever. And the dude called it Chabuk. He was like, Chabuk, Chabuk is good for you. I was like, what? And then I realized he was talking about that. It's good for you. Because he was like one of those dudes. But he was like the gold chain, like the gold rope, thin gold rope chair and dude with like a Saints jammy. No, I don't think he was gay. He was like... No, he, no, that was the, that's oh. the hair coming out of the open shirt. Oh, no, the hair coming out of the open shirt, the Ramones haircut. You know what I'm saying? Like the Dee Dee Ramone haircut. <laughs> <laughs> the dude... The yeah, he was a dude. He's working like twelve-hour shifts at the Greek diner for his uncle. But he was—he was just like that, Jabuk Jabuk. I, I was like, damn. Well, I asked a bunch of old Italian men when I when I lived in Italy for a year. Every time I met an old Italian man, I would ask him if he heard this word Strahone. None of them, none of them have ever heard this <laughs> that word. Could, that could be parochial, though. Strahone. That could be like you know, in his own very own word for it. Yeah, he could have just made it up. But like Maybe that's mine. She got was from a lady named Mrs. Strahone. Yeah, Mrs. Mrs. Strahone. But Strahone seems like something I had heard too when I was a kid. Because I grew up with, with a lot of Italian families around me, man. And like something like that, man. It could have been some. Was this dude Italian? Your uncle? No, right. My, my uncle. My uncle was an old Jewish guy, but he hung out with all with all sorts because he. Uh, my uncle came. <laughs> Hello. Hello, come on. <laughs> Come in. Well, folks, how'd you like that one? Did it quench your thirst for a little king? I hope so. You know, we went for much longer, but that was all we could keep in. Quite frankly, it was really potty mouthed. The editing room floor is messy, baby. I'll tell you that. Now, this is usually the part where I tell you who's coming up next week. But you know what? We haven't decided yet. What I do know is that I have a bunch of dope conversations lined up, so you'll just have to subscribe and keep your eyes on social media for announcements of who's coming next. And don't forget, you can check out my small but perfectly formed podcast back catalog in the meantime. I have Ricky Gervais up in there, my man Tim Latham, Cara Dillon and Sam Lakeman, and of course, Scroobius Pip. All great conversations to keep you occupied till next week. And yo, I was in the Marines, so I know all about drills. Rate, review, and subscribe, people. Thank you very kindly. And help us take off the record to the top of them charts. Then you can have whatever damn guest you want, as long as I pre-approve them, of course. But I'm playing. Until next time, stay classy. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.